Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be in God's Word. Now, over the past few weeks, uh, we've been camped out in Acts 15, and you're probably going, man, I'm so glad we're out of Acts 15. Because, Brother Jeff, all you talked about was perseverance, and you talked about a disruption, a a sharp disagreement, and uh, can we move on? Yeah, we can move on. We can move into Acts chapter 16. And I don't want to disappoint you, but we're going to see a lot of the same stuff. And uh, I want you to remember what perseverance is, right? Perseverance is sticking it out. It's never giving up. It's keep on keeping on. Keep moving forward as God leads you forward. Listen, bad things happen. Bad things happen to everybody. And sometimes bad things happen because it's my fault. Sometimes bad things happen because it's your fault. Sometimes just bad things happen, right? Sometimes things just don't work out. Sometimes circumstances just don't pan out the way we want them to pan out. Sometimes our plans get disrupted and we get distraught and we get discouraged. We get messed up. Perseverance has a purpose. God, I believe perseverance is a gift from God. I really do. Because perseverance leads to character. And character leads to this thing that is desperately needed in your life and in my life and desperately needed in the world. Character leads to hope. And hope has a name. His name is Jesus. So think about that for just a moment. God will use the tough times, the hard times. He will use circumstances that seem to be hurtful and and painful and crashing against you, he'll use them for your good. That's what God does. He'll use it to help you persevere. And then that perseverance will give you character, the character of Christ. And then it'll lead to hope, the hope of Christ. And you can possess that hope. And not only possess it, you can share it. And I believe that's what we see in Acts chapter 15. I believe that's what we're going to see in Acts chapter 16. You know, we just got out of Acts chapter 15 where Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement they came to a place where they could not agree. And listen, they, they were brothers in Christ. They, they were filled with the Spirit. But I'm telling you, a sharp disagreement means they were, they were emotionally violent. More so Paul than Barnabas. Paul said, hey, listen, I am not taking John Mark with us. Not going to happen. He was remembering that John Mark abandoned them and left them when times got hard. And Paul said, no, not today. He ain't going. And Barnabas said, well, I'm taking John Mark. And Paul said, bye. And Barnabas said, bye. And what looks like from the outside to be detrimental to the church and detrimental to the gospel, (laughs) God said, I knew my plans all along. I'm fixing to spread the gospel wider and further than these two boys could have done on their own. See, God works for good for those who love Him. They didn't disagree on the gospel. They they both loved the gospel, and they both were ready to share the gospel. They disagreed in their personal plans, but they agreed in the gospel. See, they had unity, even though they didn't have uniformity. Don't don't misunderstand that. Just because we're unified doesn't mean we're going to look alike, act alike, talk alike. Walk alike. Sometimes God's going to move us in different directions. But I'm going to tell you something. As Christ followers, we all got the same goal. And that is lift high the name of Jesus. And share the name of Jesus. Wherever we go and however we get there. And so we move into Acts chapter 16. And I just want to ask you a great question. Are you ready? Just, just a great question. You're going to go, man, I'm fired up. I can't wait. Well, here's the question. What happens to you when the bottom falls out? Anybody want to come up and give a testimony? Anybody want to come up and talk about the bottom falling out? No, we don't like to do that, do we? we? Matter of fact, when our bottom's falling out, we like to try to hide it and keep it away from people. We don't want people to know that stuff is hard and we're scared. Anybody in here been discouraged before? You ever been discouraged? I, let, let me just go ahead and tell you, whether you raise your hand or not... <laughs> You have been discouraged before. If you've breathed air on this planet, you have faced discouragement before. Some of you probably are in the midst of discouragement right now. So what happens? 
What happens when the bottom falls out in your life? It's either happened to you before, it's happening right now, or get ready, it's going to happen. And so we need to understand that when the bottom falls out for Christ followers, we got something we can do. (laughs) We got somewhere we can go. We got someone we can call on. Amen? And, And look, the devil would love for us to forget that. You know, I believe one of the greatest tools that the devil uses today is discouragement. I really believe that. He, he wants you to dwell on discouragement. He wants you to camp out and live in discouragement. He wants you to put your head down and poke your little lip out. The devil loves discouragement because he can use your discouragement to discourage someone else. He can use your discouragement to keep you from being who God created you to be and keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Oh, the devil loves discouragement. He loves it when the bottom falls out and you don't go where you need to go and you don't call on who you need to call on. He loves that. He would love for you to just stay in discouragement. See, if the devil can't have your eternity, you know what he wants? He wants you right now. See, he knows if you're saved, if you're a child of God, he can never have your eternity. He can't touch it. But what he can have is right now. He can come against you right now, and he can steal and kill and destroy right now. Your testimony, your power, your authority. He he can do that if you let him. And so in Acts chapter 16... I don't have time to read the whole chapter this morning. I encourage you when you get that chance to just start in verse 1 and exhaust it. Go all the way through. But I'm, I'm going to move kind of fast. And so in Acts chapter 16, the first five verses, Paul meets a young man that he is going to share a lot with. This young man's name is Timothy. Yeah, Paul and Timothy come in contact. And so Paul meets young Timothy. Uh, he's a believer. He loves the Lord. And Paul wants to take him on his journey. Now, Timothy's mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Most theologians believe his father was lost. Uh, they believe his mother was a, was a believer, but they believe his father was lost. And so with Jewish audiences in mind, because that's primarily where they're going at this time, they're going to be reaching a, a large Jewish audience. Paul actually wants Timothy to be circumcised. Now, we know we've already seen this, this take place, right? This whole circumcision thing, this whole living by the law thing. But, but understand, Paul is not wanting Timothy to be circumcised so that he can be saved. He's wanting Timothy to be circumcised because it will make it easier for him to reach this Jewish audience, right? That's why he wants it. And so don't misunderstand. It's not Paul saying, Timothy, um, you can't be saved unless you're circumcised. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, Timothy, it will be easier for you and me to reach this audience if you will be circumcised. And so Timothy does. He goes through circumcision. And what we see is in Acts chapter 16, verse 5. Listen to what it says. It says, The churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. That's what's happening. So, so let's, let's look back, if we will, for just a moment. In Acts chapter 15, everything's going good, and then persecution comes, and it's time to persevere. So we're on that, we're on that loop in the roller coaster, right? And we're like, okay, can I get out of this anytime soon? And, and, and then they come out of it, and they celebrate. Because they said only Jesus Christ can save. The law can't save. We can't make people like Gentiles uh, be circumcised and live according to the law to be saved. No, if Jesus wants to save them, he'll save them. And we can encourage them that the law is good and, and, and the law can be abided by, but it's not the law that saves. So they celebrate that. The church is excited. They celebrate that. And then all of a sudden they wake up the next day and Paul and Barnabas are like in each other's face. And they, they have this disagreement, and the, and the people are going, oh, my goodness, what it, these two leaders are going to have each other, and, and then what do we do? And, and, and it's okay because God uses them, and all of a sudden the church, right, is strengthened in their faith, and they're growing. As a matter of fact, as you keep moving on, this is, like a, this is better than a primetime soap opera, isn't it? Like, God in line ain't got nothing on this light, okay? It, it's like up and down, 
you know, loop and straight away and loop and twist and turn. And so then we come to Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 6 through 15, and we see something incredible take place, right? As a matter of fact, Paul and the others are directed by the Holy Spirit. So, so guess who's directing? Guess who's writing the script? It's not Paul and Silas and Timothy. It's the Holy Spirit. So Paul and the others, they're directed by the Holy Spirit to go to Macedonia. Right? Pa- Paul was going to go in another direction. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you're going to Macedonia. Why? To preach the gospel. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Paul had a vision of a man, and this is what he said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so Paul was not only in tune with the Holy Spirit's voice in his life, Paul was obedient to it. Listen, Paul was a, was a strong-willed, <laughs> very independent guy. Remember I described him last week? He's, the, he's like the driver of the car. Right? He don't like to give up the driver's seat. He, he likes to have his hands on the wheel and his foot on the gas pedal. Barnabas, he's kind of opposite. Barnabas is that tender-hearted guy, speaks in a softer tone, comes up behind you and rubs your back and says, Hey, I love you. God loves you. You're doing so good. Paul's like, God loves you. Do you hear me? Like, that's the difference in these guys, okay? But here's the thing. Even with that personality, what we find about Paul is that Paul says, Not my will, but your will. He says, God, this is what I want to do, and this is where I want to go. And then he hears the Spirit, and the Spirit says, I know that's what you want, but this is where you're supposed to go. Paul says, yes, Lord. So Paul is in tune with the Holy Spirit, and he's obedient. It kind of makes me want to ask the question, Jeff, are you in tune with the Holy Spirit? Are you listening for the voice of God, or are you too busy talking? And too busy wanting what you want to even hear what the Spirit of God says. I'm going to tell you, that right there alone will bring discouragement in your life. Because when you're a child of God and you ain't listening to God, He's going to do whatever He's got to do to get your attention. Sometimes He's going to let you fall flat on your face and it's going to hurt. So that you have no choice but to look up and listen. So am I in tune with the Holy Spirit? And not only am I in tune with the Holy Spirit, but do I obey When the Holy Spirit says, be still, am I still? When the Holy Spirit says, move left, do I move left, move right, do I move right? When the Holy Spirit says, say something to this one who is hurting, do I say something or do I say, well, that's somebody else's job? Just questions I thought about. Another thing we see in this passage, and again, I don't have time to read it all to you. I want you to read it. But we're introduced to this woman named Lydia. How cool is this, right? What happens is, is that God moves in Lydia. The Lord actually opens the heart of Lydia to respond to the gospel message. Listen, Paul had plans to go this way, and God says, no, I want you to go this way. Gives him a vision. And a man from Macedonia says, come over here. And so Paul says, okay. And on his his way there, he runs into this woman named Lydia. Do you think that's a coincidence? I'm going to just go ahead and say this out loud. You're crazy if you think that's a coincidence. That ain't no coincidence. He didn't just bump into some woman on the street. This was called an an ordained moment. A divine encounter set up and scripted by the Holy Spirit of God. And, And what I love is that it was the Lord who prepared Lydia to respond to the message. Paul didn't talk her into something because if Paul could have talked her into something, he could have talked her out of it. The Lord opened Lydia's heart. I love what Dr. David Jeremiah says. He says, no human, even Paul, has ever had the ability to open anyone's heart except Jesus. God's servants can sow the word, but ultimately... The Holy Spirit is responsible to accomplish the harvest. I love that. We, we see incredible things taking place in the lives of believers and even in the lives of unbelievers when we are in tune with the Holy Spirit and obedient to the Holy Spirit. We see God move in mighty ways. Listen, I want to ask you a question. Do you want to see God move in mighty ways in your life? Oh, that's great. Who am I preaching to, Jeremy? What'd you come for? Do you want to see God move in mighty ways? 
Okay, I got a simple answer for you. Listen to the Holy Spirit and do what He says. You, you don't have to go to Books a Million or Lifeway to buy some book that's 300 pages long to figure out how can I see God move in my life. I'm telling you, you can see it right here in Acts chapter 16. God will move in your life when you listen to the Holy Spirit and you do what He says. You'll see God move in a mighty way. You'll see divine encounters. You'll see opportunities, right? To share the love of Christ, the gospel message with someone that you would have never gone to on your own. Someone you would have never planned to talk to about the Lord. God will do it. Because here's the truth. You can't save nobody. I can't save nobody. You can bring me all the people you want. You can say, oh, let's just get them to Brother Jeff and Brother Jeff will talk to them. Brother Jeff can't save them. And if I'm not mistaken, you got the same tool I got. It's called the Word of God. If I'm not mistaken, you got an audience with God just like I have an audience. You can pray. And you can pray that the Lord would stir the heart of this one and that one. And you can pray, God, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to see you move in a mighty way. And I'm telling you, if you'll listen to the Spirit, and you'll obey the Spirit, God's going to do what He says He'll do. You want to know why? Because when God makes a promise, He keeps it. So I want to go back to the question, what happens when the bottom falls out? Because man, this is pretty powerful, right? Chapter 16, starting off on a good note. We got another minister, right? Another teacher, Timothy. Praise the Lord. More gospel being spread, more gospel being told. Paul is obedient. Right? He's going to go where God tells him to go, not where he wants to go. All of a sudden, a, a woman's life has changed because God did it. Powerful, right? Okay, now let's go to verse 16. I'm going to start preaching now. Is that okay? All right. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, the Bible says, Once, when we were going to the place of prayer. Now, this is Luke. Remember, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and uh, he's writing about his experiences with, with Paul and, and these missionary journeys. So Luke is saying, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Let me ask you a question. Is she lying? No, she's telling the truth. But she's mocking God. And she's mocking Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy. Okay? She's telling the truth, but she's mocking God by mocking His servants. So verse 18 says, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, do you see that? He didn't turn around and cuss this woman out. He didn't turn around and tell this woman to shut up and go, leave. Notice what he did. And I'm going to tell you why he did it, because he's in tune with the Holy Spirit and he's obedient. Did you hear me? Okay, so where do I need to start over? Y'all got to wake up. Come on now. All right? Wake up. Do do you think, right? Do you think Paul was in obedience with the Holy Spirit? Okay? He's listening. So so Paul is going to know how to respond, right, by tone and by word. And so here's what happens, right? It says, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Anybody here want to see God move in their lives powerfully? Look at what happened. When Paul was in tune with the Holy Spirit and obedient to the Holy Spirit and where he wanted to be, where God wanted him to be, doing what God wanted him to do, saying what God wanted him to say, look at what it says. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Praise God, amen. Amen. When God says he'll do something, he'll do it. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope, I really wish that said their false hope because that's what it was. But anyway, 
It says, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews. Huh. We'll get to that in just a minute. These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And look at verse 22. The crowd joined in. Right? Now it's not just the owners of the slave girl. Now it's the whole crowd. It says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Let me ask you another question, and I, I, I hope you're ready for this, okay? Would you say from an outsider point of view that the bottom just fell out for Paul and Silas? I, I would say yes. From, from an outside point of view, right? They've been preaching. They saw Lydia saved. Man, the gospel is spreading. All of a sudden, they get there, and they're experiencing a mighty move of God, right? They're part of a mighty move of God. A a, a female slave has an evil spirit in her, right? Paul turns around and says to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her, and it has to do it. It had to come out. Not because Paul said it, but because the name of Jesus Christ. That's why the Spirit had to come out. The Spirit wasn't scared of Paul, right? The Spirit didn't obey Paul. The Spirit obeyed the name of Jesus Christ. And so we see, man, wow! And then out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere, the bottom falls out. And so what can happen? I'm going to ask this question again. What can happen when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, when, when we're obeying the Holy Spirit? The power of God. But sometimes the power of God moves when our bottom falls out. I know you probably don't want to hear that. <laughs> You're probably saying, Brother Jeff, I, I don't want my bottom to fall out, but I do want to experience the power of movement of God. Well, listen to me. God can move when He wants, where He wants, how He wants, with whomever He wants, because He's sovereign. And so you and I don't get to pick, right? We don't get to pick the circumstances of our life. We don't get to pick, Right? That we can always be throwing a party, always celebrating. You know, our, our life score is not always 12 to nothing. Sometimes we lose a point. Sometimes we lose a game. Sometimes we lose a season. But that don't mean God can't move. So Paul is able to call out the Spirit inside the woman in Jesus' name. Powerful. It's because he's in tune with the Holy Spirit and he's obedient. Paul has the power inside of him to drive out demons in the name of Jesus. You want to know what that does? That glorifies God. That glorifies God. And that's why, that's why, the, that's why the owners of the slave girl were mad. That's why they were upset. Because they had been getting the money. In other words, they had been getting the glory. Right? They were abusing and using this slave girl for their own advantage, their own glory. But see, when you speak the name of Jesus, oh, you better look out. Because them scales is about to get reversed. Power in the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what happens. And so Paul and Silas, here's how their bottom fell out. You're saying, well, Brother Jeff, what do you mean? What, what was their bottom falling out? Well, it's very simple. Paul and Silas are falsely accused. Let me tell you, they did not break any law. They did not break any law. They were falsely accused. Not only that, they were viciously attacked. By the crowd. The owners of the slave girl are losing money. They were cashing in on this woman. It was all about their own glory, not the glory of God. Well, God changed that. And because God changed that, it turned their world upside down. From my point of view, it turned the world upside right. But for them, it turned the world upside down. And so they they brought these false accusations. Not only that, before they even went before a judge... They were beaten. Before they even had a fair trial, guess where they were put? In prison. And not just in prison, but the inner cell and in stocks in the prison. So let me tell you why it matters. It says these people 
said, oh, these are Jews. Huh, that's not the whole story. Because what did I tell you about Silas? You remember when Paul, I told you this a couple of weeks ago, last week, I guess. You remember when Paul chose Silas? I said, hey, that, that wasn't just an accident. See, Paul is both Jewish and Roman by birth. And guess, about, guess what Silas is? Yeah, he's both Jew and Roman. Oh, yeah, that wasn't a coincidence. God wrote this script. And so because they were both Roman citizens, you know what that meant? That means by law, they deserved a fair trial. They deserved a hearing before a magistrate. They deserved an opportunity to defend themselves before prison. Let me ask you a question. Did they get any of that? Nope. Let me tell you something. Just because you're a Christ follower does not mean you're going to get a fair trial in this world and a fair shake in this world. Just because you say yes to Jesus doesn't mean all the bad stuff goes away and only good stuff happens. You, you, you better read the whole Bible. See, there's a bunch of preachers out there that'll preach you that prosperity gospel. And if you want to go listen to them, go listen to them. They'll tickle your ears. But I am not one of those. And I will not be one of those. I'm going to preach the whole Word of God. I'm going to preach the full counsel of God, the full gospel of God. And what I see right here is that just because Paul and Silas have the Spirit dwelling in them, and just because they have power and authority that is heaven, right, don't mean earth's going to be okay with it. As a matter of fact, they're going to be falsely accused, they're going to be viciously attacked, and they're going to be wrongly imprisoned. So I want to go back to the question, right? The question is, how do you handle things? How do you respond when the bottom falls out? Because what I want to do is I want to give you an example of someone who is in tune with the Holy Spirit, someone who is obeying the Holy Spirit. I want to give you an example of what happens when their bottom falls out. How did they respond? Well, one verse, you ready? 1625 says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So I'm going to ask you a very simple question. How did Paul and Silas respond to the bottom falling out in their life? Two things. Oh, you are awake. Praying and what? Praising. Praising God by singing. That's exactly right. Paul and Silas pray to God when their bottom falls out. They praise God with their songs when the bottom fall out. Notice it wasn't one, it was both. See, here's the thing. I don't have a problem praying to God when my bottom falls out. I really don't. When my bottom falls out, oh Lord, it's just how I pray and the purpose of my prayer. Why me, God? Why now? Please get me out of here. I don't want to be here. Anybody else can identify with me? You don't have to wave your hand because I know, I know probably there's a lot of you out there, right? We don't like to tell that truth, but I'm telling you that truth. Nine times out of ten, I forget how to pray. Or I just choose not to pray. Right. The discouragement, right, sets in. The why didn't this work out? Why am I being falsely accused? Why am I being attacked? Why am I in this prison? The Bible says they prayed and they praised God with their songs. Now let me ask you a question. Who was their audience? Who was their real audience? There's a right answer here, okay? Who were who they praying to and who were they praising? God. That was their audience. That's who they were praying to, and that's who they were praising. But the Bible tells us there happened to be some other people listening. Yeah. Some other people were watching and listening. And so I believe they were praying out loud. I believe they were singing out loud. You want to know what happened when Paul and Silas's bottom fell out? It's real simple. They kept the faith. They kept the faith. They kept the faith in God. They remembered who they were. They remembered whose they were. And they remembered why they were. And the circumstances and the walls, (laughs) the environment didn't stop them. They prayed and they praised. 
Oh, God, help me. Help me. They did not give up on their charge. You remember what their charge was? Acts chapter 1. What did Jesus tell them they were going to be? You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. See, what I would have wanted, had I been a Roman citizen and a Jew, I would have wanted a witness before a judge who could keep me from being beaten and keep me from being imprisoned. But they were witnesses for Jesus in the prison to a bunch of people who were watching and listening. Mm. So what can happen when we correctly respond to the bottom falling out in our lives? I'll tell you what can happen. We can give God glory. We can give God glory. We can see God do something that only God can do. Man, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. In Acts chapter 16, verses 26 through 40, the Bible tells us that God shook the ground. Don't you love that? You know what it says next? When they were praying and they were praising God, and and the prisoners in that cell were listening to them, what happened? Man, the ground shook. You're telling me Paul and Silas did that? Y'all help me for just a second. If you ain't awake yet, you're fixing to be. Okay? If you have the ability, I'm going to ask you to stand up real quick. Just stand up. Now, God might say, watch out, boy. And if he does, he's still going to get glory. Everybody take your left foot or right foot, because that might be confusing to some. Um, the only reason I say that because I had to look down and figure out which foot was which. Um, let me turn in the same direction. <laughs> okay. Take either foot, left or right. Everybody just stomp it one time. Man, that, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> All right, everybody take your hands, right? Let's put them together and clap. Ready? One, two, three. All right. Was there an earthquake registered in Charlotte, Louisiana? Is anybody's phone going off? At something? Now, you can sit back down. See, here's what I want you to see. Even though we're united, and even though we're doing the same thing, did the ground shake? No, because God didn't make it shake. Now, could God have made the ground shake? Yes, he could. But I think I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit and I'm walking where he wants me to walk. So Here, here's what I want you to see. Paul and Silas didn't shake the ground. God did. Pa- Paul and Silas didn't have some magic key in their pocket and open their prison door and open every prison door. But that's what God did. Huh? The Bible says this. The prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose. Right? And then what happens? The jailer saw what happened, and you know what the jailer thought? You know what he thought? And you know what he was about to do? He thought, oh my goodness, their chains have fallen off, the doors are open, and they're gone, and Rome is going to kill me, so guess what? I'll just do it myself, because it'll be less violent if I do it to myself. He was about to kill himself. Right? He knew the beating and the punishment and the eventual death that he faced from Rome. Let me throw two words at you. But God. Huh? But God. Listen to this. Verse 28. But Paul shouted. And guess where Paul was standing? He was standing in the shadow of the stocks that held him. He was standing in the shadows of the prison, the inner cell. He ain't gone nowhere. He's right where God wanted him to be, doing what God wanted him to do. His bottom fell out, but he prayed and he praised. He kept the faith, and now God's fixing to do something. It says, Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. So the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There ain't no way Paul and Silas wrote that script. Ain't no way Paul and Silas said, man, we got to cause a commotion so we can get ourselves thrown in jail. Um, and then when we get thrown in jail, we're going to get in there and, man, we're going to make so much racket uh, that the ground starts shaking. And uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can, we can jostle these, these cell doors and make them all come open. And uh, somehow, some way, there's going to be some keys in there. We're going to find them keys, and we're going to unlock everybody. But what we're going to do is we're just going to make them sit still, right? 
prisoners who have broken the law, probably most of them in there rightly in prison, uh, but we're just going to make them sit still so that that jailer can get saved. That would be cool if somebody could write that story, okay? God did it. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And here, here it is, right? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And, and boy, that would be great. You could put a period right there and man, the angels in heaven would, would sing and rejoice, but there ain't no period there. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So buddy, we're going to give you Jesus and we believe in the name of Jesus, you're going to take it home and your whole house is going to get saved. That's what God can do. (laughs) Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. Do you see that? They spoke the word of the Lord. People say, oh, you know, uh, you ain't got to say nothing. You just live it. There's, There's partial truth there. But I see many times in the Bible when the word of the Lord is shared, when the word of the Lord is spoken, people are saved. I see it. So be careful with this. Oh, well, I ain't got to memorize Scripture. Oh, I ain't got to know the Scripture. I can just be nice to somebody and they'll get saved. Listen, God can do that. But what I see in the Bible is you better know your Scripture and you better say it. Because what I see in there is when you say the Word of God and you share it, people are saved. So they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was, look at this. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God He and his whole household. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. His joy didn't come from his wife, his children, his job, his performance. Joy came from God and it was a fruit of salvation. I believe one reason why we are suffering in discouragement, one reason we stay in discouragement is because we got joy and happiness mixed up. And I believe we go about this joy thing all in the wrong direction. Oh, if I do this, then I'll get joy. If I do this, it's all about me, then joy will be mine. Joy is a gift from God. And it's a gift from God being right with Him in the work of Jesus, not in the work of Jeff. He had joy because he believed in God. I want want to work backwards. I want to work backwards on my... On my notes here. God takes what are death and disaster. He takes what are death and disaster and he turns them into life and joy. Let me just tell you something. Paul and Silas can't do that. I'm going to tell you something. The preacher of the church can't do that. Only God can take death and disaster and change them into life and joy. Only God. Beware of any pastor or any person that says, oh, I can, I can change your destiny. No, no, no. Only God can change your destiny. And he does it through the finished work of Jesus Christ. What I can do is I can tell you about my Jesus. I can speak the name of Jesus and I can share the word of God. But here's the thing. If God hasn't stirred and prepared your heart, there's nothing I can do about it. Do I want to see lost souls saved? Yes, I do. But it ain't up to me. That's up to God. You know what is up to me? Being in tune with the Holy Spirit and going where He says to go and doing what He says to do and saying what He says to say. What's up to me is being in tune with the Holy Spirit and being obedient to the Holy Spirit. But when that happens, I'm just telling you what I see in the Word is I see but God moments. But God. The jailer wanted to kill himself, but God. Instead of death, he possessed life. And it was full life. Right now, it was eternal life. Instead of disaster, he now was bathing in joy. Not because all the prisoners were were still there. That might have made him happy. Right? If all the prisoners were still there, that might have made him happy. But that would not give him joy. Because joy is a gift from God. It's not circumstantial. It's a gift. And so instead of disaster, he now has joy. 
but he had joy because he came to believe in God. And I'm going to tell you something. This isn't just about what is happening to Paul and Silas. Most importantly, this is about what God is doing in the lives of unbelievers. So many times when the bottom falls out, we're thinking, God, what are you doing to me? Let me just tell you, sometimes when your bottom falls out, it's not about what God is doing to you. It's about what God's doing for someone else. Y'all want me to say that again? Sometimes when your bottom falls out, it's not about what God is doing to you. It's about what God is doing for someone else. Thank you, Chris. That's the truth. Acts chapter 16, that ain't my word, that's God's. What happened when their bottom fell out? They kept the faith. Let me tell you what else happened. They preached the word of God. They said what was in their heart. They said what they believed. They preached the word of God. And the jailer and his whole household believe and they're baptized. You see, God's intentions are not just to set his children free from the physical prisons and the emotional prisons, but rather he intends to set the captives free, unbelievers free from their spiritual prison of sin. I'm just telling you. We, we get caught up in the physical and the emotional and the relational, and we don't give a flip about the spiritual. How dare we as Christ followers? We better get that order right. We better have our eyes on Jesus, and we ought to be talking about spiritual things first. And let the spiritual things fall on the physical and the emotional and the relational. We think, oh, if I'll fix this physical, then I'll get spiritual. Oh, if if God will fix this emotional thing, then I'll be spiritual. Oh, if God will fix this relational thing, oh, then I'll be spiritual. (laughs) Again, read your Bible. When morning came, the magistrates actually sent word. Again, who could script this? So, so that happened that night. Matter of fact, at that very hour, that's what the Bible says. So we know God gives them the next morning. The sun comes up, and guess what? The magistrates have already made the decision. They don't even know. <laughs> Think about it. They don't even know what went on yet. But they had already made up their mind, right? Or God helped them make up their mind. It says, when morning came, the magistrates sent word for the release of Paul and Silas. So the jailer tells them to go in peace. Could it be the reason the jailer says go in peace is because he finally understands what peace is? You think? I do. I think he was able to look at Paul and Silas and say, hey, brothers, y'all go in peace because he actually had peace to give them. Mm. Paul sends back words to the magistrates that he and Silas are Roman citizens. And they're like, ooh, what have we done? He tells them, hey, we're Roman citizens and we had deserved to be treated fairly. And so guess what the magistrates would do? They agree. And you know what they do? Publicly they say, we're sorry, guys. How about that? You think they were humiliated? I do. Magistrates don't like to come out in public and go, We messed up. We're sorry, but that's exactly what they did. You know what that was? That was a but God moment. That was a but God moment. There's two things I want to say, and then I'm going to close. I really want us to look at this in two two ways, two vantage points. Um, I'm a Christ follower. I, I love Jesus Christ. Am I perfect? No, I'm not, but I'm saved. You want to know why I'm saved? Because I repented of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus Christ and He saved me. He took the heart of stone out of me and gave me a heart of flesh. He's shaping, fashioning, and forming my life. I know that I'm saved. I don't need anybody else to tell me I am or I'm not. And here's the thing. I ain't listening to you anyway. God tells me I'm His child. He says, Jeff, you are mine. I hear His voice and I believe Him. I'm a Christ follower. I believe there's a bunch of Christ followers in this room. I also... Uh, believe that there's, there are lost people in this room. I believe there's lost people in this room that have been to church for years. I believe there's lost people in this room that are going to Sunday school. I believe there's lost people in this church that are part of ministry teams. I do. I believe there's lost people in here because I believe there's so many people that are trying to work their way into heaven, work their way into God's grace, love, and mercy. That ain't how it goes. But I want to look at it from two vantage points. 
One, you might be a Christ follower. One, you might be lost. And here's the thing. There's no judgment here. There's no condemnation. It's okay. Because if I, like Paul and Silas, am a believer today, what this word teaches me is that I need to focus on my Savior. And I, re- I need to remember the charge he has given me. Jeff, you will be my witness. If I am a Christ follower, I need to focus on Jesus and remember my charge no matter what I feel like, no matter what the circumstances are, I still have a word to proclaim. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been, I've been, I've been battling spiritually. I've been battling spiritually. There's been some things going on in my life that ain't been comfortable and ain't felt good, and it's still happening. But I remember my charge. Jeff, I've called you to preach my word. So you keep preaching my word, no matter what it feels like. No matter the disasters that are blowing up in your life all around you, you keep preaching the word, son. Oh, I thank God for his voice. Because I'm not going to lie to you, I've wanted to quit. Is it okay for me to be honest with you, church? I've just wanted to quit. But God, amen. Focus on Jesus. And remember the charge. You are my witness. And you don't get to decide where that might be and how you might feel. You say yes to me. And watch what happens. God is good. Thank you. I knew I could count on Miss Kathleen. God is good. When, Miss Kathleen? All the time and all the time, God is good. It ain't about how I feel. It's about who I know and what I know. So for Paul and Silas, they may not have felt good in that prison. And I'm sure, I just have to believe this. I believe there was this flesh thing where Paul was saying, God, if you get me out of here, I'll preach harder. I'll preach better. Just get me out of here. But that's not what the Word says. The Word says he just prayed and he praised. Do your prayers lead you to praise? It's a simple question. Do your prayers lead you to praise? Or are your prayers aimed at getting God to do what you want? I mean, do you pray and then go, okay, God, your turn. See, we're laughing, but how serious am I? We pray and say, okay, God, your turn. I did what I did it. What you going to do? What I see is they prayed and they just started praising. And it was before the earthquake. And it was before the doors shook open. And it was before the chains fell off. Let me ask you a question. When do we want to praise God? Be honest with me. When do we want to praise God? After the earthquake, after the doors are open, and after the chains are off. God, if you get me out of here, I'll tell somebody. I'll praise you. Paul prayed and praised. Then God worked, and Paul said, I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to preach right here. He looked around and said, I got an audience right here. Mm. So that's to my saved brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you're struggling like me, I'm praying with you, and I'm praying for you. And if you ever want to pray with me, I will. Okay? But then there might be some in here who identify more with the jailer. And if I, like the jailer, am an unbeliever today, I need to know that God loves me, and I need to know that God can shake the world's foundations to reach me and use me. I need to know that. Right? I need to know that God loves me. And I need to know that God can shake these foundations to reach me, but not just reach me, but then use me. Because I'm just telling you, that's what God can do. That's what He has done. 
Listen, we were at a worship conference this week, and I'm so thankful that, that me and Jeremy and Andy were able to, to, to get ministered to and spend some time praising God. But one of those songs, Jeremy, was Yes, He Can. Woo! There's a group called Cain, and they got a song called Yes, He Can, right? And the chorus goes like this, I believe, because yes, He did. And they're looking at the Scriptures, and then they're looking in the mirror and saying, yes, He can. I'm going to tell you something. God can shake this earth. God can break the doors open, and, and he, can, he can knock the chains off of you. You want to know why? Because He loves you. He loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish death, right? Instead have what? Everlasting life. Not drown in discouragement and disaster, but be filled with joy because we believe. Are you like Paul and Silas today? Praise God. Focus on Jesus. Remember your charge. Be a witness to Him no matter what it feels like, no matter what the circumstances are. The devil's going to want you to quit. He's going to want you to drown in discouragement. And I'm just telling you something. I've been nose deep in it. But I go back to Isaiah 43. God says, Jeff, don't forget, you are mine. And when the waters get hot, you will not drown. And when the fires get hot, you will not be set ablaze. You want to know why? Because you're mine. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. And remember why you are. I've called you out of that darkness and into marvelous light so that you can declare the praises. Declare the praises. You're my royal priesthood. You're my chosen nation. You're my special possession. Don't forget it, Jeff, because the devil wants you to. And if you're the jailer in here, and you've been living for you, and you've been living for performance, and you've been trying to live your own way, your own time, you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for a but God moment in your life. But God. I'm praying he'll shake your foundations. And oh, it might scare you. It might make you tremble. That, hey, that, that jailer, you know what he did? He fell at Paul and Silas' feet trembling. What I'm praying is, is I'm praying for Christ followers to be there when that happens so they can preach the word to you so you can hear the word and be set free by Jesus Christ. That could happen today.